0: Thank you for joining us on the CFF podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Amen. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? If it's for Jesus, a little bit louder. Come on. Tell the person next to you welcome home welcome home all right great so um uh what an amazing testimony to Frank and Alba and it's it's just amazing i don't know if you guys know but the number 7 means uh completion perfection and so i believe that that uh 7 year wait was not a wait it was a preparation so i don't know if you were here today for the first time or if you're a you're one of the founding fathers of CFF, uh, or mothers, you know. But I do believe that God has a word for you today. And so I'm going to read to you the, the main verse. And this is a church where we talk, we, we scream, we shout, we, we, we whistle. Uh, you know, we're happy because we're not losing. Amen? We're winning. Usually when you go to, when you go to uh, anything, you know, a game or anything, the people that lose are usually very quiet. You know, I'm watching the World Cup and I see... You know, man, some people get crazy, crazy, and uh, by mean some people, I mean some of us, you know, we go nuts, uh, and I just think sometimes it's too sad because church should be much more exciting than any World Cup match, than any boxing, UFC, you name it, amen? So uh, we're, uh, we're going to open up to Genesis chapter 2. I want to share with you something I've been very passionate about. I've, um, I've loved this. I preached it before. Uh, in, I guess, a very different way, but it was pretty much the same title, uh, and uh, the title before was Don't Talk to Snakes, now it's Shut the Snake Up, yeah. so, <laughs> so I know I, I, I asked uh, the media team, is that, is that kind of harsh, is that coarse, and they're like, no, pastor, go for it, I said, yes, let's go for it, so tell somebody, shut the snake up, all right, cool, cool, no, now tell your other friend, the one that you didn't talk to at first, tell him, shut the snake up. Uh, Now tell me you shut the snake up. All right, cool, cool, cool. So uh, we're going to open up to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And this is a very well-known part of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. Let me know when you guys got it. Say amen. You guys got it? Yeah? All right, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts by the seventh day God completed his work which he had done. Did I say two? Ah, I meant three, that's why. Okay, cool, cool. Go to chapter three, real quick. Now, the serpent, there we go. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, he has, has God, check this out, has God said, and I could just make a whole sermon about that. I mean, a whole series, really, but that the snake would tell you, has God said? I mean, what do you mean, has God said? What's a snake telling you what God says? What does a snake know about what God says? But anyway, you know, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, no, no, no. From the the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said, here we go, to the woman, you shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. Now check that out, a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband, mm, 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 with her, and now that's the key word there with her, her husband with her, and he ate. then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sew, sewed or sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings, meaning some some cheap underwear. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man of his wife. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, I love this. He called the man to be a man. And he calls him and he says, where were you? And he said, uh, uh, I heard the sounds of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, uh, uh, the, the, the woman you gave me th- to be with me, she gave me from the tree and ate. And I just, I just ate. I was tired. I came from work, and she just fed me and I ate it. And it was, that's it. And then the Lord turned to the woman and said to her, what is, th- what is this you have done? And the woman said, whoa, whoa, whoa. The serpent deceived me and I ate. I'm going to stop right there uh, because this is an insane, beautiful part of the Bible where... Uh, we can learn so much. I mean, you can dig and dig and dig. Uh, There's some true gold nuggets here. But the first thing I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you three questions tonight. The first question is, are you tricked or tempted? Because it's not the same thing to be tricked as to be tempted. Some people are tempted and some people are tricked. Listen to this. Now, I do believe 100% that neither of these two excuse you from what comes after. So you could say, well, well, that got tricked. You still got to live with consequences of your lack of wisdom. But, but, the sin or the, the accountability was highest towards the man, not towards the woman. And at first I thought, well, that's kind of messed up, me being a man and all. Like, wait, hold on, she gave him the fruit. He was just trusting his wife. As a matter of fact, part of his flaw was that he hurt his wife. Now, you guys know that I, that I am not a, a chauvinist. Actually, I'm more feminist than most women in this room. I am more in favor of women than that. But the Bible says this, that this man hurt his wife and he ate whatever she gave him. Now, check this out. God calls Adam into accountability. If you read the verses to come, God gives this crazy judgment and holds only Adam accountable to it. Now, when I say only Adam, because he addresses Adam and addresses him alone. Adam tries to hide behind this behind his woman. He's "Whoa, whoa, the woman you gave me. I told you guys one time back in high school when I was super dumb. Uh, you know, we were driving and squirting people of this van. We had these huge pipes that like super soakers. But they're like a pipe that you squeeze and just tremendous. And some guy was walking down the road with his girlfriend like this. And we opened the van door and, and squirted the guy. And he went, whoa! and like put his girlfriend in front of him. Dude, I'm telling you, we, we were just, everyone's like, ah, ah. We stopped the van. The guy was like that. The girl was trying to hit the guy, trying to walk away. We're like, ah. Anyway, just, just telling you guys, you shouldn't do that. But, but this is exactly what Adam was doing. He's like, no, the woman you gave me. This is so wild. Because see, Eve was deceived. Eve was not alive when Adam got the commandment. If you look a little further back, just a little bit further back, In Genesis 2.15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Immediately after this, i check this out. Right after, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And you know the rest of the story. Listen to this. The man knew exactly what he was doing. He knew better. Are there any things in your life that you know better? But you're still doing them. And you're still in it. Because that happens to us, doesn't it? I knew better than talk to... Man, I shouldn't have been talking to that guy. I shouldn't be talking to that girl. Or hey, you know what? I knew better than to than to lie on my taxes. Some of you guys are like, stop, pastor, stop. I knew better. I knew better. I, seriously, I knew better than I shouldn't have stayed home. I should have gone to church that day, but instead I stayed home, and that's when the worst things happened. I knew better than, than, than get all angry and mad and say what I said. I knew I shouldn't have done. I knew better. Some people get tricked, and some people know better. Which of these two are you? See, Eve was tricked And some people know better. To the people that know better, the next point won't apply necessarily to you. And I'll tell you why. Because if you know better, what can I tell you that God hasn't already? What can I say? If you already know, all you have to do is repent. And the sermon can literally end right now. And if you take it to heart, your life will change. I mean it 100%. If you know better, why are you not doing better? But if you already know you shouldn't, then what is it? What's going on? See, if you don't know what's going on, maybe it's because you're being tricked. Maybe because the enemy leads you to believe that the consequence will never come. Or that the consequence is not thick enough or big enough to offset the pleasure. Or the immediate pleasure. Because that's what we are. We're immediateists. We love what's, what we can get right here, right now. Does that make sense? One of my friends, he had a huge, huge TV in his house. Big, 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 big TV. Bigger than his wall. I don't know how he did it. It was so big. And the, the house was so small. And I said, man, you know, what's going on here? They would buy all kinds of expensive stuff. But they lived in a very small house. Now, I don't have anything against that. But the way that they managed their finances was immediateist. It was only here now. No investment towards the future. Get it while well, the getting is good. Because later on may not be that good. Does that make sense? It was all here, all now. And you know what? That philosophy carried out throughout the rest of their lives. The way he did his relationships was the exact same way. He did things well here, what felt good, what was good now. He's divorced a couple of times already at my age. And it's not that he was evil. It was that he didn't understand that there's a future. See, if the enemy, if Satan can lead you to, to take away the concept of your eternity... He'll lead you to live for the moment. He'll lead you to believe that all that matters is this right now. And that's just silly. It is not only stupid, it is also reckless. To think that what I do now only echoes here. But I got to tell you this, and I mean it 100%. What you do genuinely does affect Three, four, five generations after you're gone. I understand that. Every little bit of of everything that you do will be weighed one day. And everything you do either will bless your generations or curse them. Why do I say this? Because what seems so innocent, like a bite from a tree, a fruit, it just really brought destruction up until your life and my life now. Let me tell you this. I thought this was really insane that this man... Uh, this man tried to blame you know, Eve, and I think we do that. We don't have ownership of what we're doing, and so we can never change anything. Can I tell you, it's your fault. Now, some of you guys just got it, because if it's your fault, you can change it. So long as it's the woman's fault, the snake's fault, the man's fault, then no one can ever change it. The first thing you have to realize is that it's, up, it's yours. It's up to you. You have to really say, God, I own it. It is on me, it is not on anyone else. Oh, that church. Well, go to another church. But the church, the other church will be just as this church, if not just different. <laughs> but it will be just the same excuse for you. Right? Different locations, same excuses. I'm gonna tell you this. You can say, Oh, well, it was my family. No, 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 it's not your family. It is not your family, it is you. Well, you don't know my family, I know I don't, but I also have a family. It's you, it's you. Say, I'm telling you, it's a great thing when you acknowledge that it is you because then you can change. You're not a victim. I'm going to repeat that again. You are not a victim. You can change it. Here's the cool thing about this, this, this entire story, and I can go deeper and deeper and deeper. But the first question I ask you is, are you tempted or are you tricked? If you don't know what's happening to you and you're responding in crazy ways, it's because you're being tricked. Okay, I don't know why I feel this way. Uh, I know. I don't know why I get so angry. I know. Well, I don't know why I feel so sad all the time. I know. I don't know. I try and I try and I can't. I just don't know what's happening. Pastor P knows. I know. Well, I don't know, man. I'm confused. I know you're confused, but I'm not. I'm going to go to another church because... I said it twice already for some reason. Honestly, nobody's told me anything. Maybe it's just somebody here is getting offended and thinking they are going to another place. But I know what's happening. See, we give counseling to a lot of people, and a lot of people sometimes, they get mad at each other, husbands and wives. Why are you doing that? And they get fighting over money, fighting over this, fighting over that, and it's never the money, it's never this, and it's never that. At the end of the day, they're like, why are we even fighting? I say, I know. (laughs) Every time. Is it true? I feel so tired, and I don't even know why I'm tired. Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe, just maybe, you've been talking to snakes. Maybe, just maybe, you're being tricked into believing, amen, into believing, somebody please say amen. Because that actually is when God's speaking to you, you say, let it be so. That's the way it is. See, I know, I know I've been able to recognize when I'm being tricked. I can hear the snake afterwards. Does that make sense? Don't give. Get angry. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you hear it? Do you know it when you feel it in your spirit, when you know it in your head? And it sounds beautiful because you're tired. Why are they being so mean? Or why are they being so nice? Do you get what I'm saying or no? Because you can feel it, you just dismiss it. Man, when a snake is talking to you, you know a snake is talking. They have a distinctive sound to them. You see, it could be in the form of a person, of a show, of a picture, of a of a song. Can I can I pause there for a second? Yeah, right. Sometimes you're listening to anything and that song comes on. That song, that song, that song. That song you know what I'm saying? That it just brings back these feelings and these emotions. And you're like, she should be turning off the snake, but you keep it on. But many times, you decide, no, it's all good. It's all good. So the second question I would ask you is, what do snakes want? What do snakes eat? What is it that the snake is after if it's not your money, right? If it's not your car, it's not your cell group, it's not your church. What do snakes eat? Here's the crazy thing, that it is very definitive. See, snakes... They're not after physical fruit. They're after spiritual fruit. A snake has a steady diet of whatever you feed it. But its favorite meal will always be the fruit of the spirit. It will take it from you so quick. It will feed off of it. It will take your joy. Come on. It will take your peace. It will take your patience. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you feel, man, if you ever feel, if you ever feel like, man, I just feel really upset today. And you don't know why. Maybe the snake is taking your peace. Amen? Or you know, I feel sad. Maybe the snake is eating your joy away. Maybe, just maybe, some of you are like, I can't control myself. Maybe you've been feeding a steady diet to that stupid snake of self-control. And the snake is always after the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is that which leads you to strengthening yourself in the Lord. It is the diet Of men and women of God. It is that which says, hey, I know the circumstances are like this. I know I feel this way. I know this is what it seems like. I know this is what I heard. I know this is what I feel. Oh, man. But what I know. What I know. What makes you patient is not your temperament. What makes you patient is your faith in the promise. But if Satan can take your faith, then you become restless. You lose sleep. You lose, man, you lose health. See, the enemy cannot do anything with your, with your house. Oh, but he can wreck your home. Do you get that, right? He, can do, he cannot do anything with your car, but he could take your life. Does that make sense through your car? I know that the enemy doesn't want your girlfriend or your boyfriend. He just wants your attention and your heart. So long as you don't give it to God... It's all good for him. See, because the enemy has a steady diet of the fruit of the Spirit. But I believe that there's one thing he loves the most. And this is where I want to park for perhaps the duration of the sermon, even if I don't make it to the next point. Galatians 5, 23, I already said it to you. That's where you're going to find the fruit of the Spirit. But if you go to Isaiah 14, 13, you're going to find one of the creepiest, scariest, most wild parts of the Bible. And it is that tells you literally what Satan was thinking when he fell. This is wild. This man named Lucifer, by the way, there was a show on on Fox named, what, what was it called? Lucifer, literally. Did you know that Fox actually canceled it? Because it was so wrong. It was so jacked up that even some, you know, some producers said, you know what, this is not right. This is not something you want to put out there. So they didn't finish the seasons. And I, and I wrote a little tagline online that said, can Netflix save Lucifer? And I was like, that just sounds wrong in every single way possible. Check this out. I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever read this part of the Bible before. But man, what was he thinking? The Bible says that Lucifer was the best looking of all the angels. He was, he was so gorgeous. That he, his, he was, his skin was like all beauty stones, like precious stones. It says that he was the angel of worship, the worship leader of the angels of the heavens. I've been to Nashville where they all know how to sing and it sounds like angels. And I'm thinking, wow, he could even hang with them. Like, dude, this guy was leading the leaders and the leaders of leaders of worship. Do you get that? That this guy had the most authority. It says that he was the one that would humble kingdoms. That God would use Lucifer to humble kingdoms of the earth. That entire kingdoms would be decimated at his feet. That's how much God had entrusted to him. That's how much God had loved him and cared about this angel. Now before we go judging this guy, you have to wonder what happened to this cat? What happened to this guy's head? What happened to him? What happens to a human being that God loves so much that turns their back on God? What leads you to be independent from God? Well, I wasn't raised that way. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's dumb. It's not that you were raised that way. You were made by God. You were made by Him. You were made for Him and by Him, literally, for His honor and His glory. What leads you astray? What takes you back? I believe it's the same poison that works in every single human being. See, because if I'm trying to bring somebody down, I'm going to keep trying whatever worked in the past. And if it works before, it's going to work today, and it just might work on you tomorrow. What is it? Check this out. Say it with me, I will. I will. One more time, I will. I will. These are the five I wills of Lucifer. Isaiah 14, 13, 14. 13 says, but you said in your heart... I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the uh, recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. My will above God's will. If I could just remind you of something completely opposite, who is Jesus, at verse 42 of chapter 22 of Luke, it says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. The great contrast between Jesus and Lucifer is the battle of the wills. It's that which really, genuinely can destroy your relationship with God. Did you know that it is a battle of wills every single day for your soul? Yes. Let me explain it like this. Your body is a receptacle. It's, it's the net that catches all that's around it. It's perceived through smell, sight, touch, hearing. What else? Taste. All these senses capture everything that's going on. And then what it does, your body it brings it to the next level, which is the soul. And all that it's been fed, it puts it in the soul. And the soul's job is to transmit that information to the spirit. And so your spirit now is fed by what your soul is receiving through your body. And here's the crazy thing, that your spirit knows that that which your soul is allowing through your body is rejecting the presence of God. And so your spirit is hurt, your spirit is not communing with the spirit of God because your soul has been saying, yes, 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 yes. Because it's your will, not God's. And there's this insane battle going on in the soul realm. And we don't talk about this because to us it's all spirit or it's all flesh. But your intellect, your emotions, and your will, they must be under submission to God. If they're not under submission to God, I am sorry to tell you, but you are a slave of the devil. Now that sounds super harsh, especially for a church so young. This is for like old folk, old Christians. But you're a son of the devil if you're doing that. I'm not saying that, by the way, it's the Bible. Don't get mad at me. A slave is one who is unable to decide. Have you been caught in the lie that you cannot decide? Because see, sometimes I come across men that say, Pastor, I try, but I can't stop. And I said, no, it's not that you can't. It's that you won't. No, no, you don't know. I know, but you won't. You don't know my addiction. I don't know your addiction. I don't want to know your addiction. I'm going to ask you this question. You really can't or you really won't. Every single person in this room has not been tempted beyond escape. You've not been tempted beyond what you can handle. That's what the Bible says and I still believe it. Let me ask you, you can't or you won't. Because you're the one, at the end of the day, your mind, your emotions... And your will decide what you will and will not do. This is the greatest battle you will ever encounter in your life. And should you choose to know it and remember it, you have a better chance at winning it. The snake is always talking. Always talking. The problem is not that the snake is smart. The problem is that you talk to the wisest beast on the face of the earth. The Bible said, and I just read it to you, that God allowed this snake to be the smartest on the earth. Now, not on heaven because my God is smarter. But we try to handle the snake. So the question is, how do you handle snakes? Last question, how do you handle a snake? And my answer would be, you don't. You don't handle it. I can handle it. No, you can't handle it. I can't. No, you cannot handle it. Some things I can't handle. And that's where wisdom comes in, to be able to trace a line and say, I'm not ready for this yet. I believe you don't have a relationship out of God's mercy. Because you can't handle it yet. Now, some of you guys are like, oh, come on now, pastor it. No, I mean it. You cannot handle it. Because the man that God has for you or the woman that God has for you, they are growing in the Lord. You can't handle it yet, though. You wouldn't know what to do with her. You wouldn't know what to do with them. I know that sounds messed up. I'm going to go, fine, fine, pastor. Okay, fine. Let's go to the next point. No, let's park right here for just a second. See, because sometimes we say, God, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And you say you're ready for the blessings of God. But those blessings can really curse you. See, these trees were meant to be the greatest blessings that they received. Even the one they couldn't touch, it was to remind them of who they were supposed to be submitted to. It was never about the fruit, by the way. It had n- nothing to do with the fruit. It wasn't like it was such a good fruit that God wanted it all for himself. No. It had nothing to do with the fruit. Did you know that? It has nothing to do with the fruit. It could have been like a pepino. Uh, it could have been a cucumber. It doesn't matter. Is that even a fruit, a cucumber? Yeah, okay. It could have been a cucumber, man. It could have been uh, eggplant. It could have been anything. It could have been. It, look, look, listen, listen. I'm telling you, it had nothing to do with the fruit. It had everything to do with submission. It had everything to do with submission. Our rebelliousness, the Bible says, that rebellion is worse than the sin of witchcraft. Sin of witchcraft, I'll translate it to modern language, and that is Satanism. So that rebellion is worse than Satanism. A rebellious woman is worse than a Satanic woman. A rebellious man is worse than a warlock. I don't know if it sounds a little bit too extreme, because I just said that if you are enslaved by the enemy, you belong to him. And if... You know, I just keep saying all kinds of fun stuff for you. But I'm telling you, is the truth. If you're enslaved, today is a great day of freedom. Amen. I mean it. Good. If you're rebellious, today is the greatest. Say, God, I've been rebellious for a long time. I am done being rebellious. Amen. So how do you handle a snake? The first thing is you don't. You don't handle a snake. You don't talk to the snake. Some people in this world, believe it or not, They're not evil, but they allow the snake to speak through them. They allow the enemy to work through their lives. All of us in this room at some point or another will be tempted to be used by the enemy to destroy, kill, and rob. Every one of these three things is what the enemy does. Rob, kill, and destroy. And he'll use you for it. He can, and he wants to. And if you allow him, yes, Pastor and Pastor Eoni, if we allow him, he too can use us to hurt somebody. Did you know that it doesn't matter how much Bible you read, how, how, how many amens you use in a sentence, amen, brothers, amen, right? It doesn't matter how big your word is, what really does matter, genuinely, is how surrendered is your will to God, because the Bible gives us the key on how to really handle snakes. You don't, and then it tells you something so cool. And this is where I really want to end because I believe this to me became the greatest blessing. My wife knows this. And our team of 12 also have been able to learn and learn and I hope that they're applying it. I call it violent violent contradictions and you will continuously see this during this season of this ministry because if this church learns what a violent contradiction is... Your marriages will grow stronger. Your children will want to serve the Lord. Your finances will strengthen. That I promise you. This ministry will grow and grow and grow in spite of what the enemy wants to do. A violent contradiction is the only way to deal with a bully. See, a violent contradiction is the only way to deal with an abusive being on your life. you violently contradicted. Violently contradicted. Did you know that there's some parts of the world that cubs don't have guns? I don't know how that works. They have a stick. And I think I say, that works if the, if the crook has a stick, smaller stick. Well, how does that work if the, if the crook has an AK-47? How does that work if the thief, instead of a stick, he brings a knife? They say, put down the knife, or I will chas-chas. <laughs> really, seriously. What are you going to do with somebody with a Glock pointing it at your face, and you have a stick saying... What are you gonna do? See, it's about authority. I get it. Okay, 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 okay. But what I wanna tell you is this this is what the Bible says. You have to violently contradict it. James 4, 6 through 7. Now you're gonna love this, I promise you. James 4, 6 through 7. Men, if your wives are not paying attention, this is where you say, <clears throat> pay attention. If your husband's not paying attention, just take the phone away from him and say, okay, this is where you gotta pay attention. James 4, 6-7 says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, this is cool. This is what grace is about, by the way. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It says resist The devil and he will flee from you. When I think of the word resist, I don't think of the word get beat until you can take it no more. That is not what I think. See, because when I played football back in college, my coach taught me what true resistance was. It's it's face force with a greater force. That is resisting. When force comes against you, you hit it even harder. That is resisting. Resisting doesn't mean doing this. Resisting means you're going to hit me once, I will smack you ten times harder so that the next time you think about it, you won't even try it. You won't even go there. But most of us say, really, enemy? Really, Satan? Nah. You say that because you're a snake. No, 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 no. I say that because I'm wise. Isn't it true? We don't resist Jack. We don't resist anything. Now, you could say you do. Well, I'm at church today. I know, I know. But have you been resisting? Man, resisting doesn't mean, like I said, getting beat up. Resisting, it literally means to fight pressure with greater pressure. When he tells you sit, you stand. When he tells you to stand, you sit. When he says you could, you said you don't. When he says you should, you say I won't. When he says no more, you said and then some. When he says, stay home, you grab the keys and drive. When he says, leave, you lock the door, grab the mayo and make a sandwich. When you say, don't give, you give it all. When he says, take it, you forsake it. When he says, get mad at your wife, this is my own here. I said, I get romantic. When he says, Guess, be sad, I said, I get ecstatic. When he wants you to crawl up in a ball and cry, you stand fast, plant your feet and lift his name on high. When you feel... Listen. When you feel this and that and don't know why, you say, "Shut up, snake! Shut up, snake! I'm gone. Bye-bye." <laughs> when you understand, when you understand that the snake is speaking, you don't just stick around. When you understand that the snake is speaking, you do one of two things: you shut its mouth or you kick it. One of the two. You tell them, "Shut your mouth," or "I kick it in." See, we let the enemy hang around too long. And so he keeps trying the same strategy over and over. Can I tell you, I stopped being cheap. Now, listen, this is my testimony, my personal testimony. Ask my wife if her husband is giving or not. The reason I tell you this, you say, oh, what a giving husband. But so that you would say, okay, I think I know now how not to be cheap. Okay? When I felt cheapness speak... In my head, I gave ten times more. Whenever I feel the enemy says, "Don't let him use it," you can have it. I'm not even playing. I'm serious. When the enemy tells me, "You won't make it through the month," really? Are you serious? Because I, I've made it through the month before. I'm gonna make it to two months now, not just one month. Amen. Whenever the enemy tells you, "I'm serious, man," why do you feel so sad? Said, "What you feel so sad? I'm super happy." Matter of fact, I was just about to turn Spotify on to my favorite playlist, I'm about to praise God out loud until my neighbors get embarrassed for me. Does that make sense? This is the act of violent contradictions. I've only known how to deal with bullies this way. When somebody tries to push you around, listen, I'm not even playing, this is serious. I mean it 100%. He will punk you through, man, through your death, and then he'll take the rest. If you let him, he'll do it. Because that's the way it works in life, isn't it? Women, the syndrome of an abused woman is simply this. It's going to get better. I could change him. It's going to stop at some point. It's not hope. It's lack of resistance. It's not hope. It's foolishness. I am telling you right here, right now, some of you are being abused by the enemy. The snake has done too much, too long, and you have to learn tonight how do you shut the mouth of a snake. First place, you just recognize its voice and say, that's not the voice of God. Do you know when the voice of God is and the voice of God isn't? Pride is the beginning of the fall. Today, pride, stupid pastor, you know what he's talking about. I know, I know, it's because you're humble, I get it. But pride is the beginning of the fall, every single time every single time. Pride is like bad breath. Everyone knows you have it, except you. Because pride, what it does, it draws people far away from you. Because people don't wanna be near you because of the pride that you, and you can blame them, of course. You can say, it's people, freaking people. It's not people. It's your bad breath, AKA pride. It's what you keep saying, that you think it sounds good, But to the world, it sounds like doo-doo. Do you know why? Because it's filled with pride. Do you know why you have no grace? Because the mercy and the grace of God are different things. God has mercy on all of us. Man, he's merciful. You repent, there goes mercy. But see, that grace of God, the power to change things, the grace of God, it's amazing. The grace of God is the power of God. The grace of God is not a cheap thing. The grace of God was purchased by Jesus for you to do something specific. The grace of God is not the power to sin. It's the power to overcome sin. And that power doesn't come through you lifting yourself up. It comes through you humbling yourself up and seeing the hand of God lift you up. That's grace. So grace comes only through humility. You want grace in your family. Humility is the way to do it. You want grace in your job. I promise you won't come through ability because they can hire somebody better than you. It will come through humility. Man, you want to fix things with someone, humility. You'll never be right. You can be humble, but you'll never be right. Even if you are right, it doesn't mean you're righteous. If you're right, it will just make the other person more mad. Is it true or no? Well, I was right. told you I was right. Is it true or not? Humility. This is Jesus, not my will, but yours. The Bible says before, it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. The most important part of that verse is not that part. The most important part of that seventh verse, it says submit therefore to God. Submit to God. Here's the crazy thing. If you're not submitting to God, who are you submitting to? No one? Really? Really? One of my friends spent a lot of time in prison. And he said, man, when you're in there, you got to run with someone. I said, what do you mean? How much how much space do you have to run? I'm just kidding. Now, what do you mean run? And he's like, yeah, man, you're either, you know, sureños or you're here or you're there. I said, well, did you run with someone? He's like, well, I kind of had to. And I was like, do you really have to? He said, like, yeah, man, if not. Now, that was the dialogue I was having with this guy. Now, I don't know because I haven't lived there. I haven't been there. Some of you guys can probably tell me, yeah, it's true or maybe it's not true. But you see, what I do know is this, is that in your spiritual life, a hundred percent a thousand percent you have to run with someone the Bible says this either you're with me or you're against me it doesn't say either you're perfect or I don't love you it doesn't say that don't, mis- don't, don't, don't let the snake speak it says you're with me or against me well, I still don't know well while you find out you're against him let me repeat that again please I'm still not sure well while you make sure you're not for him you're against him did you know that? That while you wait, he doesn't. That while you wait, he doesn't. Guys, somebody here that just got engaged, raise your hand. Anybody here? Yeah. He's a, all right, great. Okay, cool, cool. Ryan's not here? Hey, I can't talk about him. Ah. All right, all right. Whitney and Tony, there you guys are. All right. Okay, cool, cool. So say, Tony, you're, you know, you're proposing to, to Whitney. Do you guys have shirts that, no, no, I thought it was like matching shirts. Ah, yeah. uh, okay, okay, anyway. Okay, cool, cool. All right, cool, cool. All um, right, okay so pretend let's just pretend okay that you you save a bunch of money for a ring <clears throat> pretend you know and then that you buy it and you know and then you, you're about to give it to her. you plan this whole thing out it's beautiful and you're gonna give it to her and and then she's like well I just don't know and everyone's like oh. the whole NBA game stops the camera's looking at you everyone's just waiting and she's like uh, 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 can you give me five months wow. what would you say I rest my case. Okay. Because I would do the same thing. I'd be like, wait, hold on. We've been together. How long have you guys been together? Six years. six years. Good Lord, that's longer than most marriages in the U.S. Okay, so six years, six years, and you still need five months to figure this out? What would you say, Tony, for real? For real. Take as long as you need, honey, because I love you. Then I'll grab your man card and I'll put it behind me. And I'll say, come on, walk with me. No, 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 no. Look, I, I understand these situations can happen, but are you with me? I mean, no, if you, if, by the way, guys, if you barely met the girl and you're just trying to like, you know, it ain't like that. This seven-year relationship, you know? You, f- you should figure some things out by then. But, but, does that make sense? It's almost like there's some things that there's no middle ground in. This is one of those. And God says, you're with me or against me. And here's where we're. What I would love to finish with is something simple. The three questions I asked you, I believe they apply today to your life, not tomorrow. The first question is this, are you tempted or tricked? Do you know you're doing wrong, or do you just don't know what's happening to you? If you know what you're doing and you know you're doing wrong, this is a time of repentance where you say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. It wasn't the Eve, it wasn't the snake, it's me who allowed it. The biggest problem of that story if, you, if I could be so honest, only knows that nothing makes me really angry as of years. Like, I don't really get that, like, angry, you know? I don't get upset to where I want to punch anything, nothing like that. I don't. I'm trying to think, because only super honest, and she'll tell me from her seat. Nah, remember that time? So I'm trying to question my words, but I am, seriously, maybe the, oh, that one I would grab the guy in the face. That was the truth. Thank you, Chris. But... <laughs> That's competitiveness. <laughs> That's horrible. Oh, yeah, and the indoor place in Chico, okay, cool, cool. So I got really angry that one time in the soccer game. But you know what? Honestly, we can talk. You can say garbage. You can tweet all you want, Instagram all you want about me. You can say anything. You know what really makes me angry, seriously? One of the things that truly, like, just, just makes me so mad, and that is when when a man refuses to be a man. When a man refuses to own his part of the plan, like if some guy tells you, I love you, and he pretends he never said it, that makes me angry. Or if a guy pretends, you know, ask only this, you know, pretends or says something but doesn't own up to their life. And that makes me mad. Almost as much as selfishness. Because selfishness and pride are those ugly twins that always want to go out with you. They're always there. They always pretend like you're best friends. Selfishness and pride hate your guts, and they want to destroy you. But they always want to be part of your life. Pride and selfishness is what brought Lucifer down and turned him into a demon. He was an angel of light. He became the prince of darkness. Lucifer became prideful. I don't have time to do the chart because there's a chart I have that you can literally go the five steps that brought him down. Each one of those, like position, he yearned for position, man. He wanted that position. The other one, man, it's crazy because this man wanted this authority. He wanted to control things. You know, he wanted to be, be the man who controlled everything. He wanted to have the likeness of God. He didn't want any supervision. He wanted partiality. He wanted next to him. He didn't want anybody above him. The five things truly explain what rebelliousness is, a rebellious heart. Because I don't have time to develop it. All I'm going to ask you is to trust me for one thing. And that is this. When you don't submit, you are flirting with rebellion. Submission is the greatest blessing in your life. Now, I don't know if you have a hard time submitting because of the authority that has hurt you in the past. I don't know if you have a hard time submitting because your dad or your mom were jerks or that's probably the understatement of the year for some of you. Or maybe the church you went to, or the leaders you went to, or your grandma, or, or, or your teacher, or the cop. I don't care who it is. You have a hard time submitting. But the one thing I know is this, is that the enemy will use anything to lead you to believe that submission is the worst thing in the world. When in reality, it saves your life and limbs. I love jujitsu, and I fought it for many years. I trained. One of the things I understood very quickly is that if I don't submit, I get really hurt. I get knocked out. I get really choked out. I could lose an arm. (laughs) Submission in the spiritual world works the exact same way. You keep fighting and fighting God. The Bible says resist the devil. But some of you are resisting God. So stop resisting God. Stop resisting God. Turn around, start resisting the devil, and he will flee from you. So today, if you want to stop resisting God and start welcoming the Spirit of God into your life, If you want to say, Lord, I don't want to talk to snakes anymore. I don't want to have conversations with the enemy anymore. I want to fight back. I want to be able to stand on my feet and say, that's it. I'm done putting up with with depression. I'm done putting up with sadness. I'm tired. It's okay to be tired. It means you worked. Somebody please say amen. 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 I'm tired. Good. You spent your day well. How horrible it is to get to the end of the day, still have a bunch of in the tank, thinking you're going to save it for the next day. It's ridiculous. Does that make sense? I'm tired. Good. Are you tired because you did something good or because you tired because you're tired? I'm tired because I did something. Praise God. You, you fed your family. You, you, you blessed people's lives. Amen. Right? This is the day where you say, I'm done putting up with the excuses in my head. Stand up for a second, please. I'm two minutes on schedule. I'm so proud of myself. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's one thing, And here's what we're going to do. I have a... You know, a little poem, I'm not poetic, so that, I guess I count it like a poem, you know. (laughs) But one thing I know was when I was writing this, this, when he tells you thing, I started thinking that Jesus asked Adam and Eve, who told you? And for some reason that who told you just pounded my chest. You know, I just kept on pounding at my chest. And I want to ask you, who told you you were ugly? Who told you you weren't worthy or who told you that you're a lost case? Who told you people won't listen? Who told you your talent is not enough to get you beyond your wildest dreams? Who told you that you'll be broke all your life? Who told you that you'll be just like your father? Who told you? The question is, who told you that you'll fail in your service to the king of kings? Who told you that you'll never be good enough for that kind of man or that kind of woman? Who told you, who told you that you'll always be alone? Who told you today, that question is real. Who told you that you will fail always? That's why you don't promise anything. Who told you to stop confessing things because they're tired of you not coming through? Who told you? Who told you? It's a time to be faith-filled again and say, I will confess because I will follow through. I will confess because I will follow through. Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? You're always going to be an employee. Who told you? am not making sense. Who told you you're just that way? No, you're not just that way. You're a child of God. Who told you you'll never change? Because the blood of Jesus whites. He washes you white as snow. He wipes you clean. It says though your sins may be red as scarlet, you're alive. It says he will make you, your soul, your life, your, your mind, all of you. He'll wash it and make it white as snow. Who told you he can't forgive that sin? Who told you? What God asks these people is, who brought shame on your life? Because the difference between shame and guilt is huge. Guilt says, I did it, I admit it. Shame says, this is who I am. See, it's not that you're not guilty. You're guilty. If I'm guilty too, otherwise I wouldn't need a redeemer, a savior. It's shame that bothers God. It's shame that draws you away from people that love you. It's shame that draws you away from God. It's shame that rejects the spirit of God and ushers the spirit of death into your life. Say to God today, Lord, take the shame from me. I want to tell you this. Close your eyes for a second. The Bible says that Adam and Eve began to sew these clothes for themselves out of leaves But God, when he saw them, had compassion. He loved them. Yes, he needed to deal with their sin. Therefore, Jesus. But listen to this. Listen. He made them proper garments. The Bible says that he clothed them with skins. He clothed them with with, with leather. He used sacrifice. Something had to die. Something had to be, some blood had to be spilled in order for this man and this woman to be clothed again before the Lord. Because see, their leaves wouldn't do. Only righteousness would do. Only the blood of a a lamb can cleanse their sins. Do you understand what I'm saying? That you try to be righteous on your own. You try and try and try. Try not to do it again. You try not to fall again. And God says, it's not about that. Let my righteousness cover you. Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Let the blood of the lamb cleanse you. Let the sacrifice of Christ be enough to put you in right standing before God again. So that you can walk in the cool of the day with the Lord just as Adam and Eve did in the beginning because this is the moment where God will do it. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to close your eyes as you already are. If you want to bow down, you can, as many people are doing. If you want to just simply lift up your arms, you can do that. But here's the main thing. Let your heart truly bow before the Lord because today is a day of humility. Jorge, I'm going to ask you to jump on the keyboard if you're here. If you're not, it's okay. I'm going to ask you guys this. Do you want to humble yourself before the sight of God? The Bible says, submit yourselves to the Lord. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Submit to God. Submit to God. If you have not been in submission to the Lord... This is the night where you say, God, I submit again to you. Forgive me for my rebellion. Forgive me, God, for, my, for my, man, my anger, my allowing the enemy to speak to me. Some of you here have had long conversations with the enemy through the night even. Spirit of God is speaking to you right now. Come on. Spirit of God is speaking through you. He's speaking to you right now. Some of you are being really convicted of some sin that you've been doing. You've been flirting with sin for a long time. The snake has been, he's been feeding you that fruit over and over and over. And you know it's wrong and you know you're ashamed. But God says, you may be guilty, but you're not to be ashamed ever again. Because I will clothe you. I will cover you with my love. The Bible says that the love covers a multitude of sins. So the perfect love, the perfect love, that is the love of God. This is where you are. You're at the house of God. Right now you're at the house of God more importantly you're in his presence it's your time to speak to Jesus to ask him to forgive you for all your sins to change you to wash you out of snow maybe it's been thoughts simple thoughts that turn into filthy thoughts maybe it's been a little bit of anger or anguish that has turned ugly some of you have committed adultery and you know who I'm talking about And I'm not even talking about physical adultery yet. I'm talking about in your mind. In your mind, it's called lust. Some of you here have been robbing robbing people from affection and time because you wanted it all for yourself. Some of you here have been, in one way or another, dishonoring the one who died for you. You've been rebellious. You've been resisting God and saying yes to the enemy. But tonight, you're going to turn around and you're going to fight pressure with pressure. Tonight... You're going to speak to God. You're going to tell him, God, I'm sorry for rebelling against you. You're going to speak to him on your own for today. "Yeah, Yeah, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. Trust me, it's easier than you think. Speak to him as you would your best friend. Speak to him in faith. Tell him, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry, God, because I spoke to the snake too soon. You know, the snake would always break relationships. Eventually, it will always destroy the greatest things in your life. It'll eat of the fruit of the Spirit and give you the fruit of death. And if you've been feeding of that nasty fruit, it's time that you say, God, help me to be nauseous at the thought of eating of the fruit of death, Lord. I want to eat of the fruit of the Spirit again. Forgive my rebelliousness, God. Forgive me for being so independent from you, Lord. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, Lord, if I thought... That I could outsmart the snake. Jesus, please forgive us. Forgive him. Come on, begin to pray your own prayer right now. Pray, 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 pray. Don't let me pray more than you. Because I'm telling you, you need it. If I were you, if I were standing in your chair, on your chair, in front of your chair, I would be saying, God, forgive me for my rebellion, Lord. Forgive me, God. Take my guilt away. Take my shame away, Lord. Take my shame away, God. Take guilt away today out of nowhere the presence of god came into where i was in the room and i began to speak in tongues and whether you believe in it or not listen i'm baptist hardcore but i tell you this when the spirit of god moves i know he's there his manifest presence is in the room and today was like that out of nowhere man god moves so powerfully You know what? He was affirming the message of today. He was telling me, that's the way you do. That's the way you're going to do it. This is what you're going to speak about. This is an anointed message. Let me tell you why. Because you will be able to fight sin instead of God. Quit resisting God. Start resisting the devil. Shut the snake up. Shut the snake up. Shut the snake up. Shut the snake up. It's time that you say, Lord, I'm done talking to snakes. I'm done dealing with this. I'm going to be radical in my life. I'm going to be radical in my life, God. I am done being half-hearted about my prayer life, my devotional life, my commitment to you, God. My praise, my worship. God, I am done being quiet. I will be loud in your name, God. I will praise your name, God. When I feel sad, I will rejoice in you, God. When I'm tired, I will run, God. I declare in the name of Jesus, when I feel like not going, I will give it all, God. I pray right now. That people will be able to fight, fight, fight in the name of Jesus. I declare you now free, free to fight. Oh man, freedom in the name of Jesus. Free to fight right now. You're free to fight right now. Free to fight right now. Fight back, God says. Fight back. It's time to stop being abused by the enemy. He's done enough with your family. Now you're going to get your family back. You're going to get whatever the enemy took from you. You're going to take it back in the name of Jesus. God will restore whatever, whatever the enemy has taken, whatever has been destroyed. God will restore it back to you. In the name of Jesus, I declare right now that as you resist the devil, he will flee from you like the dog with a tail between his legs. I declare now in the name of Jesus that you become violent in your contradiction against the enemy, not against God. Violent contradictions. Violent contradictions. Spirit of God, please, please. You know, sometimes you need to wait for God to do it. You need to be there, alert, ready. I was interpreting for the government this last week, and I realized that the sheriffs around are always alert. Any movement, any sound out of the ordinary, they run to it. Whether it's outside, inside, they're always ready to jump. And I say, God, make Christians like this. Make us always alert, always ready, always looking around. Don't ever let us get caught. God, I pray right now that your children will be alert always. I declare you alert against the schemes of the enemy. I declare that your ears are open, not your eyes. Your ears are open to what the enemy is trying to say, and you will rebuke it. In the name of Jesus, you will not talk to snakes anymore. I feel like some women here have given a lot of thought to what the snake has told you. You, you have movies in your head that you play over and over, and they're satanic movies. But the enemy's told you, therefore you believed him. So women, you're enraged sometimes, and you're hurtful with your words. Not because you're evil, but because you talk to the snake. I feel like some of you here have been talking to snakes. Girls, it's time that you stop believing what the enemy says about your body, and you start realizing that it was God, the one, who made you. He made you. He made you. He's, he made you. He made you in his likeness. He made you in his image. He made you beautiful. He made you amazing. He made you. He made you. He made you so satisfying that one day that man of God will say, I praise God for her life. I praise God for her life. I declare you not a, sna- not a slave of the words of the enemy. No more of that. No more of that. No more of that. In the name of Jesus. No more of that. You will live free in the name of Jesus. No more of that anger. In the name of Jesus. No more of those tormenting thoughts. Shut the snake up in the name of Jesus. Some of you here, even now, you get so tired when you pray. Let me ask you why is it the enemy telling you to be quiet or is it God encouraging you and saying come on, come on, keep talking, keep going come on, keep going, stay in my presence fight for it, stay in my presence or is it the enemy luring you back, calling you back out of the presence of God, is he the one saying wait, 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 you're not religious and God is saying you're not, you have a relationship with me, let's grow together, let's grow in intimacy, it's time that you begin to fight for those moments, it's time that you stop saying yes, yes, yes to the enemy and you tell him shut up, no more in the name of Jesus, When you start applying the blood of the Lamb. You start fighting the good battle of faith. You start saying God, I will fight the good fight of faith. I am done being being a I'm not a prey of the enemy anymore. Dear God, I declare right now that even those that don't truly know you for a long time, they will have intimacy with you as though you've known them forever and as though they've known you forever. God, I pray right now God, for instant relationships. God, what took years before to develop with you and them, Lord. I pray right now that some people tonight that desire a relationship with you. As they shut the mouth of the snake, confusion will stop. Clarity will come to your life. I prophesy over your life now. Your mind will be so clear when you read the word. You'll know what sin is so quick. Oh man, you'll be able to pick it out. And you will have the power of decision. With the best decision you'll make, the next will come. And you'll be stronger by then. And then stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. To where the enemy says, I cannot tempt him anymore with this. Because every time I try to tempt him in this direction, he fires back ten times harder. And ends up being a blessing to many people. I cannot cannot afford it anymore. I'm going to go mess with the other guy. The one that does listen to me. I declare now in the name of Jesus. Come on now. In the name of Jesus, you are free. You're free in the name of Jesus. You're free in the name of Jesus. You're free in the name of Jesus. God is setting you free. Let the captives be free in the name of Jesus. The snake is being quiet in the name of Jesus. The snake is being quiet in this name, in the name of Jesus. Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus stumped the snake on the head? On the head. That he smashed the head of the snake. He smashed the head of the snake. He didn't do that because he didn't like snakes. He did that so he could show you how to do it. So you know that you will tread over snakes. That you'll be able to stomp and have authority over the voices that draw you away from God and your loved ones. I declare you right now wiser than before in the name of Jesus. Man, for some of you that are here and you came for the first time. Get used to God speaking to you through some foolish people because the people that you didn't like perhaps they have a word for you i tell you this right now sometimes people that i've been trying to help you and you didn't like the help they're the greatest blessing in disguise to you greatest blessing in disguise i read of a story one day i'm going to close with this where you are with your eyes closed his name is gangas kang he was a Hmm, a great conqueror. This man would go out hunting with his hawk, his favorite hawk. And the story tells us that he, he was so thirsty and he grabbed, he finally saw a little bit of water dripping down the stream and he, he got his cup and filled it up slowly because it was barely trickling and was so thirsty. When we was about to drink it, the hawk came and, and just flapped it out of his hand. of his hand. He was so angry at his favorite hawk, he was like, how could you do this? And he, and he grabbed the cup and, and put it back under the stream looking at the hawk as though he wanted to eat him for lunch. Again, it began to fill up slowly. And as it kept filling up, as soon as he was going to put it to his mouth, the hawk came full speed and hit it with his, with his legs. And, and it almost scratched his face off, and, but, but it, it knocked the water off his hands again. Yet a third time, and the hawk came and fought Genghis for that, for that cop. Finally, Genghis was so angry, he started chasing the hawk until he looked upstream. And there was a dead deer upstream, poisoning all the water. Sometimes the things that bug us, the things that, man, that you say, why is this person trying to help me so much? And I told them no already. Maybe somebody's praying for you. You don't even want them to pray for you anymore. The same advice comes to you in 10 different ways, but you don't want to take it. What seems like a trouble, maybe it's God trying to bless you. Maybe that job is is not where you're meant to be. Maybe that person is not the one that's meant to be for you. Or maybe, just maybe. It's God trying to tell you, I know you don't like this treatment. But it's what you need today. Don't drink the poison. Don't drink the poison. Don't drink the poison. So some of you in here need to go back into the things that perhaps you didn't like. Like being on your knees. Being in the presence of God. Reading the word of God again and saying, God, I know this is not something I feel like doing, but it's right. I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now. I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet and we're going to finish with something simple with your eyes closed. I'd like for you to raise your hands as a sign of surrender to God, not to a ministry, to a church, to a religion, but to the Lord. If you have a hard time surrendering to God, everyone has their eyes closed, myself included, everyone, including the sound booth. I'm gonna ask you to do an act of surrender to God. One time we were doing something stupid with my friends, and the cops pulled over. They pulled us over, and no, actually, they pulled. We were already out. They told us to put our hands up. And I know why cops do that. Do you know? Because they want to know if you've surrendered, they want to know if you have nothing else to fight back with, that you're not gonna resist. When I put my hands up in church it's not because I'm religious cuz I need to surrender to God. man I need to surrender to my authority which is the Lord I live way 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 too much for myself and so when I come to the presence of God I bow or I lift up my hands if you're having a hard time lifting up your hands maybe just maybe there's something in you that says pride 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 Don't surrender don't surrender don't surrender Maybe it's that stupid snake telling you, you're the king, you're the boss. What do those people know? i tell you what I know. I know brokenness when I see it. And I know who can fix it. And that's Jesus. Surrender yourself. Surrender yourself to God. Submit to God one more time. God, I give you my life. Take it, God. Take it. Take my heart, God. Take my passions. Take my mind, God. My time is yours, God. My time is yours. My mind is yours, God. My feelings belong to you, not to the devil. God, my feelings are yours, God. My life is yours. I surrender to you again. I submit to you, God. I submit to you, God. I am open to you, God. Speak to me again, God. I submit to you, not to my emotions, not to my culture, not to anything else, just to you, Lord. I submit to you, Jesus. I submit to you, God. I submit to you, Lord. Thank you, God, for what you've done tonight. Thank you for what you're about to do in the families of those that choose to listen to your word. I pray, God, that you give strength to those that truly want to submit to you. Lord, to those that are having a hard time, I, in the name of Jesus, usher in trouble, coupled with mercy. I declare that you who are having a hard time surrendering to God, before it's too late, tonight... I say welcome trouble to your life because mercy comes right after. I would ten times rather see a sheep with a broken leg than one running to a precipice, to an abyss, to its plunder, to its fall. I declare now, should you run from God, that God would say whatever it takes, I'll bring my sheep back to me. Whatever it, takes, whatever, it takes, whatever 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 it takes. I love you too much to see you end as a demon, a fallen angel. Too much. You've been paid for way too high a price. God loves you so much. Dear God, thank you for these people. Thank you because they're yours. I pray, God, that as the, as the time nearest of life class of a new moment in this church, a new movement, God, that people can take life serious and say, this is my life and I give it to God. The rest of it is the best of it because it's in his hands. We give you the rest and the best of our lives. We give you our lives, God. In your name we pray. I want you guys to open up your eyes with me for just a second. We love you guys so much and we pray and we work and we work for you to know God more. This is not a church, I tell you this and I promise you, it's not a church of comfort, we know that. It's really not. The chair's a little comfortable, but man, our lives are not. So we're going to do this. We're going to do something very intentional. Coming up this Sunday, beginning this Sunday, you're going to see a shift. And it's all going to be about life. But a life surrendered to God. Life done right. We have something called life class. And I want anyone... Who wants to say, I want to help somebody guide their lives to God. I want to train you. I want to help you. I want to give up four weeks, one hour every week on Sunday nights. Away from my family and away from my children. I'd like to invest it into your ministry, into your life. I'd love to train you on how to be a guide to somebody else. That they would come to the feet of Jesus. That they could surrender their life to God. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that. But I don't want to leave this preaching this sermon separate from your lifestyle because it's dumb you're waste your time does that make sense like it must be applicable surrender your life to God what does it mean it means you let God lead it means you stop being your leader and let God lead now if you don't like this it's okay but find a place where you can serve God don't use me as an excuse or this church to not serve the Lord find somewhere and serve him with everything you got sell it all for him then, when you get before him, then you won't be able to blame anybody. He'll say, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. Should you choose that this is the place where God has you, then give everything you've got to God. I mean everything. Surrender it all. I tell you what, I promise you. I mean it 100%. I've given my life to serve the Lord. And I have never regretted it. However, I have heard people say, I wish I would have given more to God while I had time. In their deathbeds, usually, is what I hear. I'm telling you this, God and family, this is the time, this is the season. Let's live life to the fullest. Amen? Be aware, be expectant. This Sunday is where we're going to launch. God bless you guys. We'll see you guys later.